Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast with the headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Qi Zhi. Coming up in this edition, Israel says 50,000 people left North Gaza for the south during a four-hour window of opportunity on Wednesday. Ukraine and Moldova are one step closer to joining the European Union after receiving the green light from the European Commission for membership talks to begin. And the U.S. agriculture exhibitors at China International Import Expo have signed deals worth 500 million dollars. We begin in the Middle East. Israel says its troops are battling Hamas deep inside Gaza City, while Hamas says it has destroyed 15 Israeli military vehicles, including five tanks. Israeli forces reported heavy resistance from Hamas fighters on Wednesday, as they were using explosive devices to destroy Hamas's tunnel network beneath Gaza. Israel says it has destroyed 130 tunnel shafts so far. Meanwhile, 50,000 Palestinian civilians are reported to have left northern Gaza for the south on Wednesday during a four-hour humanitarian corridor window. Gaza health authorities say the fighting has killed more than 10,500 Palestinians since October 7th. Israel has reported over 1,400 deaths. Sam Medinik has more from Jerusalem. Israel has said that its troops are operating deep within the city of Gaza. This is significant. It indicates a new phase of the fighting, which is urban combat. Conflict experts that I've spoken to said to expect weeks-long, if not a months-long battle within the city of Gaza that could turn very bloody. Israel said it's already lost 30 soldiers at least, and it is expected to lose more. Still, it is pushing on with its offensive. On Wednesday, Israel said it killed a Hamas weapons and rockets manufacturer, and that it is also continuing to destroy and dismantle the vast network of tunnels that Hamas uses for its operations, including which are under mosques, under kindergartens, and other buildings. Israel accuses Hamas of using these residential buildings for its operations and of using the population as human shields. Hamas has rejected the fact that Israel has made gains into the city of Gaza, and it accuses Israel of targeting civilians. On Wednesday, people living in the Shadi refugee camp said they heard many explosions overhead that went well into the evening. As the fight in Israel continues, there is this increasing concern that the conflict could escalate regionally. Israel is particularly worried about its northern border with Lebanon, where the militant group Hezbollah operates. Israel said that Hezbollah has about 150,000 rockets and missiles pointed directly at it. On Wednesday, Lebanon said it fired two rockets into Israel and that there were casualties. An Associated Press reporter in the area reported that there was heavy shelling. On Sunday. Lebanon said that Israel killed inside Lebanon four people, including three children and their grandmother. Israel said that the car they were in was, in their words, taking terrorists, and that it was going to investigate the situation. Meanwhile, the humanitarian situation in Gaza is becoming increasingly, absolutely catastrophic. This is according to what aid workers are saying. More than 10,500 people have been killed since the beginning of the war. Hundreds of thousands of people are still sheltering in the north, where this fierce fighting is taking place. Israel has said that it is open to small humanitarian pauses, and in recent days, it has left this corridor from the north to the south open for several hours each day, allowing people to go through. The United Nations has said that in recent days, the number of people using this corridor has tripled to about 15,000 on Tuesday. Most people coming through are children, the elderly, as well as women. Still, all of those people in the north, the United Nations says, have no water. They have no food. There's no open bakeries, and they have no fuel. 
Hospitals are operating on people, including performing amputations, with no anesthesia. Those people who have managed to make it south don't have it much better off. Hundreds of people are sheltering in very small quarters. The United Nations said that in one building, 600 people are sharing one toilet. That's Sam Menendez in Jerusalem. The U.S. State Department has confirmed that the Rafah border crossing into Gaza was closed on Wednesday due to an unspecified security circumstance. It added that the U.S. is working with Egypt and Israel to get it reopened. Hundreds of foreigners and dual nationals have been evacuated daily from Gaza into Egypt through Rafah. Yasser Hakim spoke to a dual national Palestinian who just arrived in Egypt. She recounted her family's experience fleeing Israel's bombardment. Amira Haruda, her husband, and children are enjoying a few relaxing moments in Al Arish, moments that were hard to come by in Gaza. So, for us, for the first time, that we feel somehow safe, you know, we don't feel safe during the last month, and、um, it was like, you know, it's like brief for us that we are here and、uh, we are safe with our family. They showed me footage of the camp they stayed in after their home was damaged by airstrikes. Amira rejects claims by Israel that it is acting in self-defense. No words can explain exactly what's going on in Gaza. What's going on in Gaza? It's a genocide. The Israeli bomb- bombed everywhere. Like they are killing civilians without any warning, and most of the casualty there, they are civilians. They are children. They are women. She also had to endure the grief of losing several family members in this conflict. That claimed the lives of thousands of Palestinians.、I、lost my aunt with her children, with the, her daughters and the, the, their siblings. So all of them, they were killed, and they waited for two days to, to pull them out from the rubble of the homes. Just two days before I arrived here, we lost、uh, three,、uh, four cousins also, and still some of them under the rubble of the homes. Amira spoke of how everyone, even old women, are harshly treated by Israeli forces. My mom, she's 72. She's unable to walk, and they want them to walk, just to walk to go to the south. And it's like a journey for four or five hours, maybe. I don't think that there is any words can explain my feeling now, especially that I know that my family is still under the, the the bombing and the attack from the Israeli without any mercy. A whole part of me still stuck in Gaza, and、uh, and another part here with my children. The best she can do for now is to at least try to stay in touch with her mother and sisters. Amira and her family will go to Qatar, their resident nation, but she tells me she hopes there will be a ceasefire as soon as possible, so that she can return to her family and loved ones in Gaza, and rebuild the stricken city. That was Yasser Hakim at the Rafah border crossing. Turning to North America, the sole lawmaker of Palestinian descent in the U.S. Congress has launched an impassioned defense of her right of free speech. After being censured by her colleagues in the House of Representatives, Rashida Tlaib from Michigan, which has a sizable Muslim community, was reprimanded for her comments criticizing Israel and the U.S. government's support for it. Benji Hire reports from Washington D.C. The vote, which was largely symbolic in nature, concerned remarks and online statements by Rashida Tlaib that drew condemnation from both sides of the political aisle. The congresswoman posted a video over the weekend on X, formerly Twitter, that claimed President Biden supports the genocide of the Palestinian people. It included clips of protesters across the U.S. chanting "From the river to the sea," a phrase which the Anti-Defamation League characterizes as anti-Semitic. 
Talib defended her use of the phrase, calling it a slogan for freedom, human rights, and peaceful coexistence, not death, destruction, or hate. The majority of her colleagues felt otherwise. She told them she won't let her words be distorted. The idea that criticizing the government of Israel is anti-Semitic sets a very dangerous precedent, and it's being used to silence diverse voices speaking up for human rights across our nation. Do you realize what it's like, Mr. Chair, for the people outside the chamber right now, listening in agony to their own government dehumanizing them? To hear the President of the United States, we helped elect dispute death tolls as we see video after video of dead children and parents under rubble. Mr. Chair, do you know what it's like to fear rising hate crimes? To know how Islamophobia and anti-Semitism makes us all less safe. A censure resolution is one of the most severe forms of punishment in the House, but Talib will still be allowed to serve. A new poll out on Wednesday shows that Americans are divided over whether Israel has gone too far in its response to last month's terror attack by Hamas. The White House says Israel has a right to defend itself, yet the administration here is also pushing for a humanitarian pause as the death toll in Gaza rises. That's Benji Hayer in Washington. In Europe, Ukraine and Moldova are one step closer to joining the European Union after receiving the green light from the European Commission for membership negotiations to begin. The talks could take years as the EU's 27 member states comb through the applications to make sure the two countries have done enough to become the bloc's newest members. Alex Kadia reports from Brussels. This announcement is a clear statement of intent from the European Union. It's keeping up the momentum for plans to welcome new members, particularly Eastern European countries eager to move away from Russia's influence. Ukraine, Moldova, Georgia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, all are moving forward on the long and winding road to membership. The European Commission has recommended that the EU's member states begin the process of negotiation with Ukraine and Moldova to make sure they are ready to join. It's a significant step forward, which will boost membership hopes in both countries. But the process will be long, technical, and still require some significant reforms from both countries. Nevertheless, EU Commission President Ursula von der Leyen says the membership hopefuls have sent a clear message. All have understood the call or heard the call of history,、um, and that is that you have to choose:、um, you want democracy and prosperity. Or you want、uh, an authoritarian regime? Georgia will also move forward in the process and be given candidate status on the condition that it addresses some of the EU's concerns on its democratic processes. And finally, progress for Bosnia and Herzegovina, for whom negotiations with member states will be given the green light on the condition that it improves freedom of expression and freedom of the press. Despite the challenging reforms ahead, European officials are eager to point out that these recommendations represent a significant shift for the future of Europe. They say these countries have chosen the path of European values and democracy. Alex Cardi reporting from Brussels. Here in China, the sixth China International Import Expo is underway in Shanghai. The expo has seen a number of cooperation agreements signed. The U.S. Food and Agriculture Pavilion made its debut with 17 exhibitors who have signed deals worth over 500 million dollars. Acting Deputy Under Secretary Jason Hapmeister of the U.S. Department of Agriculture has hailed the huge potential of the Chinese market. China is a market of great potential. Currently, it's our largest export market for U.S. ag products, but we think it could grow even more.、Uh, so we think that by encouraging interaction between officials and businesses on both sides, this will help remove barriers to trade, improve efficiencies, create greater knowledge of the products that are available. 
and this will promote sales. And it's in our interest because it's a good thing for our economy. They also help China. It provides good products at low prices. So it's really a win-win situation that we want to promote. And our two countries have already benefited from them, and they should continue to. As of noon on Wednesday, participants have signed 96 cooperation agreements and reached more than 600 deals of intention for cooperation. The ongoing CIIE is also offering a wide range of fruit choices. Daikaiye tells us how consumer demand is driving imports from Belt and Road partner countries. On the outskirts of China's commercial capital Shanghai, a bustling factory is busy taking in and shipping out produce. From bananas to durian, most of the fruit that good farmers sell comes from overseas. I've been told that these bananas have been here for about several days. They were mostly imported from Philippines and Ecuador, and this is where they're being ripened. Ethylene gas is used to trigger the process, and bananas start to produce their own heat because they just perspire like humans, and that's essentially how they turn from green to yellow. The journey started long before the fruit arrives in local supermarkets. Factory workers say these bananas would have been picked three to four weeks ago and shipped from their countries of origin. Chinese consumers buy large quantities of bananas on a daily basis. That's partly thanks to events like the China International Import Expo or CIIE, one of the biggest trade fairs in China. Chinese people's appetite for fruit has changed in a big way in recent years. Fruits such as Thai coconuts, Chilean cherries, and Malaysian durians is increasingly making its way onto local dining tables. Chinese consumers are becoming more and more health conscious, and this growing focus on health and well-being is driving the demand for high-quality fruit sourced from across the world, and much of which comes from Belt and Road partner countries. Shanghai Customs data shows that in the first quarter of this year, Shanghai ports alone processed a whopping 380,000 tons of fresh fruit and nuts from Belt and Road nations, worth 1.75 billion yuan. Despite intense competition, importers are keeping a tight grip on quality control during harvesting, storage, and shipping. Fruit imports continue to increase thanks to expanding consumer demand and a surge in e-commerce. A vast majority of the 72 exhibiting countries at this year's Import Expo are Belt and Road partners. More than 1,500 companies from these nations are attending the event, which offers an exhibition area of up to 80,000 square meters. As China's market access broadens and customs clearance becomes more streamlined, fruit from even more Belt and Road partner countries is headed for the Chinese market. That was Dai Kai reporting in Shanghai. Recapping today's headlines, Israel says 50,000 people left North Gaza for the south during a four-hour window of opportunity on Wednesday. Ukraine and Moldova are one step closer to joining the European Union after receiving the green light from the European Commission for membership talks to begin. And U.S. agriculture exhibitors at the China International Import Expo have signed deals worth more than 500 million dollars. And that's it for this edition of the Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports, and culture, you can subscribe to the Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Qi Zhi. Thank you for listening.